0: Well, praise the Lord. I tell you what, beautiful sunshiny day. That means that we're going to have a lot of sunshine inside here today. Amen. Praise God, looking forward to what God's going to do, um, the rest of this well, the rest of this month, we got Wednesday night at six o'clock, and then we're going to March already. I tell you, the time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Amen. Somebody said, time flies whether you're not having fun. You know, it just flies. It flies after you get a certain age. It just really goes. Amen. But, you know, (laughs) we're going to make it. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles over to Psalms 23. We're going to share something this morning with you. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Goodness And and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, we just read this particular psalm that David wrote, and he wrote a lot of good things as he was anointed of God. But the psalmist David was an expert as a person that lived with heavy emotional baggage. Have you ever known somebody that's got heavy emotional baggage that uh, they just carry around with them week after week, month after month, year after year, and they have not yet learned what David's talking about here and get their soul restored. You know, the soulish realm is what our, is our mind, our emotions, our feelings, uh, all of this. This is this is what this is what it's about, and uh, it's that emotional being. But God wants to restore us. See, we're restored spiritually. How many knows when you get saved, it's very simple to get saved? It's very simple. The Lord didn't make it hard at all. He did all the suffering. He did all the bleeding. He did all of the things that that was uh, inflicted upon Him with all the pain in order that we could become righteous in Him. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus we're not righteous in ourselves, but he made us the righteousness of God. And that's what's simple about it. See, when you start trying to make yourself righteous, this is what religion does. Religion tries to get you to make to meet all of these rules and regulations. And religion tries to say, you do this, you do that, and you do that, and you do this and do that. No, no, no. We have to come God's way. And number one, he has been made unto us righteousness. We've been made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Nothing that we can do, no rules or regulations that you keep will ever bring that about. It's you believing what he did and who he was and what he did for you as a believer, as a person, as an individual. So we're the righteousness of God. But David was a man who had talent. He had ability to lead the nation of Israel. He became the king. Remember, when he was just a lad, God anointed him. Remember, Saul, uh, 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 uh King Saul was king, but Samuel, God spoke to him because God had rejected Saul. See, well, God rejects certain leadership, and I'll just insert this in, we're not politically uh doing political messages, but... I believe that even in our nation, there's some that their days are numbered because they have forsaken righteousness and forsaken the laws of God and forsaken what God wanted. But you know what? In the wings, thank God, God still has a remnant. God still has people that hadn't bowed their knee to Baal. And thank God there's some of us that are still part of that remnant. I'm part of that remnant. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay holy. I wanna stay pure. I wanna stay righteous. I wanna stay, uh, living in the blessings of God. And you do that by living in obedience to God. But the rules and regulations never have saved anybody. Amen? Just because you join a church don't make you saved. Just like if you was born in a barn don't make you a born animal. Amen. You can be born on a church pew. It doesn't make you a Christian. It's a good place to be born. (laughs) But he was a man. David was a man who knew God intimately. He learned to know him as a lad. He learned to know him as he tended to the sheep. He was out there in the in the evening hours and for probably days and weeks at a time tended to the sheep and in those lonely hours is when God gave him all of these songs that we can sing along with him songs from the heart but yet he knew God but yet he managed to walk out from the presence of the Lord in his later years Now listen I'm a firm believer that what Jesus done is eternally for eternity. I believe that when you confess the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, you're born again. Isn't that what the Bible says? If you'll believe in your heart and say it with your mouth. See, you've got to believe in your heart. Some people just go through a confession. Some people go through mimicking and, and just saying words, but that doesn't make them a born-again believer You have to believe it in your heart and and do it. Now, David intimately knew God, but yet he managed to walk out from the presence of God when he sinned. I do believe that we as believers have a responsibility to stay in the presence of God. And to stay within the realms and the borders of of God's word and His and His uh, blessings. Listen, there's boundaries that God has, and if you cross over the boundaries, you'll suffer the consequences. And the Bible says, in one scripture, "As a tree falleth, so shall it lie." I don't want to take a chance. I don't want to tell somebody, well, you know what, you just go right on the head and sin and do what you want to do because you gave your heart to the Lord when you was five years old and you're still a believer. No, 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 no. I don't want to take a chance on somebody going to hell and just letting them do what they want to do and they get out here and overdose on drugs and get uh, get full of alcohol and have a wreck and kill somebody, kill themselves. I'm not going to say they made it. I don't, you know, I'm not the judge, but I'm just saying I don't know if they made it or not. Because as a tree falls, so shall it lie. Amen? somebody said, whoa, Brother Clarence, well, someone asked me one time, they said, do you believe in backsliding? I said, no, if I did, I'd do it. Do I believe that backsliding is real? yes. But I'm not going to backslide for me. You see, I, I'm gonna, I've, I've determined I'm gonna stay within the perimeters of the Word and live for God and serve Him. But David managed to walk out from the presence of God. And yet his resume was one that showed his great strengths as well as his vulnerable weaknesses. David had weaknesses as well as great strengths. And in the end, his great strength showed up. Praise God. Now, David knew God intimately. God gave him songs in the night. We sing these Psalms. We sing them a lot of times. Some of the songs we sing here are Psalms that David wrote and, and pinned down for us to have. But yet David was a schemer too. <laughs> and David was a lustful man that he had, he had to deal with lust because he committed adultery. David also, because of his adultery, he committed murder. So he had all of this to deal with. But yet David knew the mercy of God and pulled himself together by doing what? Repenting. And this is what Psalms 23 says. He restores my soul. See, only one person can restore you back to the position you need to be in the Lord. And that's God himself. God will restore our soul. And that's what I want to deal with tonight, or this morning. He's a God of restoration. It's because a lot of people are like David. We're, we're just like David. We start off with a zeal to serve God. We start off with all this fervent spirit in us, and, and boy, we just can't do enough for God. Well, How me remember when you first got saved. I mean, you couldn't do enough. You had that fervency about you. And uh, uh, some of us from a young child or teen, my, myself personally was from a young child. And then in my teen years, I got full of the Holy Spirit and full of the Holy Ghost and, and was called to preach at the age of 12. And uh, that I began to preach my first message at age 15. Then I went to... Uh, Uh, I got out of high school and I started preaching with my dad. Then I went into Bible college for four years and, and I still preached and, and then God just kept moving me on up the ladder and moving around and moving me everywhere. And, and thank God I I learned a lot in my years. Been preaching 54 years now. And that's a long time. Somebody says you're ready for retirement. In God's army, you don't retire. You just refire. Hallelujah. So, listen, we're not going to retire from God. None of us are going to retire from God. We're just going to refire and get pumped up again. Amen? But the good news is God will restore us. Everybody say God will restore. Now, that word restore, where he restores my soul in the Hebrew, I looked it up in the Hebrew. It's a verb that emphasizes intense Intensive action. In addition, this verb is also in the imperfect tense indicating an ongoing continuous action. See, God will restore, but there's a continuous restoration. How many of us, when you first got saved, you had struggles in your life, in areas of your life, areas in the flesh, that there had to be a continual restoring of that spiritual man, a restoration of your inner man, that restoration in order to make you strong in the Lord. And make you a strong believer. And make you someone that's able to stand strong in spite of what the devil does. Can you say amen? Now, he restores. The root form of the verb is what it means is it means to turn back, to return, to bring back, restore, refresh, and take back. (laughs) Can I say that again? In case you were taking notes. It means to turn back, return, bring back, Restore, refresh, and takes and take back. So it's in it's presented here in this Psalms twenty three as we read it. it. God is the one, uh God is the one. He not us, God's the one. Everybody say God is. Not us. You can't save yourself. Amen? You can't do it. But God is the one, not us. And He's turning us back he's bringing us back so God say God's turning me back God's bringing us back and he's restoring he's refreshing and he's taking us back to a place of spiritual life and health in which our soul our soul our deepest inner part of us the soul of man it, that the most spiritual mental and emotional being is replenished With his eternal life and given presence and truth. So restoration is the good news this morning. And that's what we're going to deal with a little bit this morning is how God can restore in our soulish realm. There's so many believers today that are saved. There can't be a believer if they're not saved, right? But many people are saved. They're Christians. They're part of the family of God. They're born again. Uh, Many of them are even Holy Ghost filled. And filled with the Spirit. Um, They do great things in the church. They do great things for God. But yet, there's a turmoil on the inside of many people. That they never have that spiritual rest in the Lord. They're not free from the things that they can be free from, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, because God is the answer to it all. But there's three things that we're going to deal with this morning. That's guilt, grief, and grudges. We call it the three G's, couldn't we? Guilt, grief and grudges. See life can be tough. And life is tough. I won't tell you something. Every one of us have had tough times. Tough times don't last but tough people do. Amen. But we can get discouraged, we can get beat up, we can get discouraged in our spirit, we can get depressed and disappointed. Paula was teaching this morning, a very good lesson, and teaching and brought out the fact of suicide. Even Christians have thoughts of suicide. Even believers have thoughts of giving up. Somebody said, well, preacher, how do you know? Because we also have battled those same things in the past see you you can get so boxed in with the problems and the disappointments of life and and, and the the things that are happening in your life that sometimes you just think i I'll, I'll, I'll never i 'll never forget one time we were going through a very Struggle, my wife got ill, we were going through a real struggle, and things were happening and and uh, financially and and all of these things were going on. the insurance wouldn't pay nothing and and uh, here we were strapped with all of these bills personally and and it was affecting our personal uh income and bills that we needed to pay on a regular basis I, you, you know the, these things happen, and i you know i 'll never forget one night I was so down in my spirit. God's man of faith and power. But you know, we gotta realize one thing, God's men of faith and power are human beings too. And when they preach something, they've lived it also. Amen? And so, but one night I was, I, I just, I was just really down. And these, these thoughts, these thoughts, how many knows that's the only way the devil can get in? Just race a thought across your mind. He can't get into your heart. He's got to bring the thought there. And that thought that thought was, I had a big life insurance policy. And I said, you know, this is the thought the devil put. You know, he said, you know, you've done a lot for the Lord. And, uh, you know, you might as well just go ahead and, uh, you know, you can fix it so that you can just go ahead and die. And then your family would really be taken care of. Oh, oh, this thought went through my mind. But you know what? You see, immediately I recognized it was the devil. I recognized that I wasn't going to have to go that route because, you see, I, I recognized that Jesus is my Lord. And I, 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 I knew the same God that David knew. And when he went through those things, he knew how to sing those songs unto the Lord, get into the presence of God again. He knew where the presence of the Lord was, and he knew how to get back into that presence. But these things will hit you. That, that doesn't make you a bad person. You're not bad because the devil races a thought across your mind. What When it gets bad is when you meditate on those thoughts. And you begin to meditate on it daily. And you begin to let it sink down into your memory and your thought realm and into your spirit realm. That's when it gets bad. Guilt will cause you. Grief will cause you. To get into that situation. But. Restoration. We don't get hurt just physically. But also emotionally and spiritually. Every one of us have went through emotional hurts. Every one of us have had emotional hurts. Spiritual hurts. Life can be tough. We get beat up. We have failure. Fatigue. Frustration. Fears. We all have those things. We all deal with it. Praise God. I mean. Nobody here. You can't look at the person next to you and say well. Boy, they don't never have no problems at all. I had a person come in. We were counseling people all the time. We had hundreds of people in our church a year, several years ago. And we were counseling people. And they, they come in. One person came in one day. I was going through some real heavy stuff in my mind myself, you know, at that particular time. It wasn't nothing drastic. I mean, I wasn't thinking about dying. I wasn't thinking about doing that. But just a lot of heaviness on me. And, and they come in and say, well, Brother Clarence, you don't ever have no problems. You're always smiling. You're always happy. You don't have no problems. And I said, I got up from behind my desk and I said, uh, i tell you what. Let's trade sides for just a minute. You said, here, let me tell you some things. They <laughs> said, what are you talking about, Brother Clarence? I said, you know what? I'm a preacher, but I'm also a human. I'm a minister of the gospel, but I also have to live by the same thing that I preach to you. I have to allow God to work in me just like I'm trying to get him to work in you. And I said, no, we all have opportunities. We all have temptations. We all have the uh, have these things that come against us where we can doubt and let fear uh, uh, invade our uh, heart and invade our mind to where we just uh, we doubt God. And we just say, Lord, I don't know how long I can take it. But God wants to restore us. Amen. We've all got hidden hurts from our past. Every one of us have a past. I said, every one of us have a past. What we gotta learn to do, and I'm gonna, I hope we can help you this morning, let go of the past. Let go of it. Don't, don't bring your garbage and don't bring your weights and your heaviness and excess baggage into a marriage and, and get around your children and, and don't bring all that stuff in the house. Let's, let's learn to get rid of it. Hallelujah. Because God is with us. Now, how does he deal with our damaged emotions? He does this by making three changes in our life. Number one, he removes your guilt. Turn to somebody and say, God, remove my guilt. Say it out loud. Hallelujah. He relieves your grief. He replaces your grudges. And that's what we want to deal with. But let God remove your guilt. Nothing destroys a soul quicker than anything like guilt does. Guilt will cause you to reg- not progress but regress. Guilt will cause you to always shrink back in timidity and fear because of the guilt. You can't do anything about what's already done. You can't unscramble eggs. Have you ever tried to scramble eggs? And you think, well, boy, if I could just unscramble them, I could do something a little different. You can't do it. That's the way life is. You can't unscramble it. Your life, what's happened has happened. What's happened has happened. Whatever happened in your marriage, it's happened. Whatever happened in your childhood, it's happened. Whatever happened on your job, it's happened. We need to understand that God wants to deal with our guilt. You're not guilty. The devil is the condemner. The devil is the one that brings condemnation. He's the one that wants to beat you down. He's the one that wants to keep you down. If he can keep you down, you'll never help nobody else. And we've got to be able to help someone else. Guilt. Look what Psalms 38 says. 38 verses 4 and 5. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. That's just David talking here. He's probably talking about some of those times where he failed, where he allowed the enemy to overtake him and overpower him. And he's probably talking about his iniquities have gone over his head. I mean, it's a heavy burden. This is a person who's plagued by guilt. I'm going to tell you something. Feeling sorry for yourself ain't going to get nothing done. And guilt makes you feel sorry for yourself. Hallelujah. Now don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good this morning. (laughs) There's two problems with guilt. We all have plenty of reasons for guilt. Guilt. Every one of us. You haven't walked down my shoes. I haven't walked down your path in your shoes. But we all have problems. And we all have plenty of reasons for guilt. The devil is a good... I mean, he's so good at his job. He brings up what you did 99 years ago and he says, you remember when you did that. You know what the devil did to me one time? And, and listen, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a little imp. I was a little imp when I was a baby or a boy, little boy. My little brother did something that was just totally nothing big, but he knew that mama didn't want us to do it, and he did it anyway. And you know what I did? I was only five. You know, four, or five. And I held it over his head. I'm going to tell mama. If I wanted him to do something for me, I'm going to tell mama. Make him feel guilty. Now that was okay. It was cute when I was four or five. But when I was ten and eleven, I'm going to tell mama. Remember what you did when you were Three. And I kept that guilt on him. And it was really nothing. Nothing, no more than, nothing, no more than any other three year old would do. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) We can try to bury it. But that doesn't work you you, you got to deal with it. How many knows you got to deal with the problem? Denying guilt doesn't deal with it. We can minimize it saying we can say it's no big deal. Hmm. Really no big deal. I want to tell you something. If it's against God, if it's against your brothers or sisters, it's a big deal. Amen? It is a big deal. Hmm. We can rationalize and say that. If it, was, if, it, if it was no big deal, why do we still remember it? Amen? Why can't we forget it? Just saying. Why can't we move beyond it? Minimizing it doesn't work. <laughs> what I'm saying is, we got to hit it head on. We can rationalize. We can say everybody does it. We know that's not true. Everybody doesn't do it. If they did, that doesn't make it right. But do we try to make excuses for why we, we've allowed this to happen. And, and so I, I'm trying to put my head over my heart, but the heart always wins out. Rationalize. Rationalize. <laughs> I saw this the other day. Rationalize. How, how many knows you spell it? R-A-T-I-O-N-A-L-I-Z-E, rationalize. You rationalize something. It really means rational, hyphen, lies. Rational lies. We're still lying about it. We try to, we try to rationalize it in our mind and say, well, it wasn't such a big deal, but we're rational lies we're lying to ourselves amen so the most common thing we do when we have guilt what we do we beat ourselves up and we administer self-punishment I mean nobody else even recognizes some of the problems that you got and we still just go ahead and administer self-punishment in our lives and our hearts We just administer it to ourselves every day we get up, and we just administer that self-punishment. And we're not growing in the Lord. We're not doing what God says to do. We don't see ourselves as God sees us. We feel less than human. We feel less than how God values us. I want to tell you something. God values every one of us. And every one of us here, we're parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. Uncles, aunts, you know, we 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 have people in our lives, and we value them. Amen. God values us, and we've got to see ourselves like God sees us. We've got to see ourselves like God sees us. Some people say, "I don't deserve to succeed," so we live in our guilt. I don't deserve any praise, so we live in our guilt. I don't deserve these blessings. So we live in our guilt. Because guilt keeps you down. But there's only one word, Psalms 23, verse 3. What does it say? He restores my soul. He restores my soul. And you need to circle those words. Only He can restore our soul. He restores my soul. God restores my soul. And how does He do it? Through Jesus. Amen? Amen. Everything you've done has already been paid for. Everything you've already... Uh, anything you've ever done has already been paid for through the blood of Jesus. We don't have to walk in guilt. How many? How many's ever done something wrong? And, uh, I mean, you knew it was wrong, and you wronged somebody, and uh, you did it, and uh, I, I don't know if you ever asked that person to forgive you. I, I don't know, but... Boy, you sure hope nobody ever finds out. You want to keep it a secret. Keep my little things a secret. Let's talk about somebody else's problem. Amen? uh, We had a lady that used to come up for prayer all the time. and, And we would start to deal with it because it was a spiritual problem, you know. It was really a spiritual problem that she had. And she would always come up for prayer and we would start to zero in on the spiritual need that she had. And she'd say, Oh, my, my left leg's hurting me really bad. Could you pray for that? And then next time she'd come, Oh, my side's been hurting me, you know, and, and she'd always get your attention off of what the real problem was. We've got, (laughs) we've got to deal with the problem. We've got to zero in. If we're guilty, let's let God remove that guilt. Let's deal with it once and for all. If you did something wrong and you might have done something hideously wrong and it was against someone or people or, or whatever, you've got, to for, you've got to let the blood of Jesus cleanse you. Once. You can't go back and undo it. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm glad that there's areas in my life where people had done me wrong that I could have held. And we're going to get into that in just a second. But, uh, you know, I, I could have just kept it in my heart all these years. But you know what? God had to pry that thing out. God had to bring it out because God reminded me one day, he said, if it wasn't for my grace, so there you go. And so we can't keep things in our heart, and, and, and we can't let the devil put that guilt on us to where we can't move forward and become what God's called us to be. Can you see, man? Some people have told me, Pastor, I trust in Jesus, but I still, and I believe in him, yet I still feel guilty. Guilty. Some, of us, some people live a whole lifetime with guilt. Over what they did. You know what? I look back. I probably made some mistakes. No, probably about it. I did make some mistakes. Raising our daughter. I probably did make some mistakes there. I I might have been really, 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 really strict on her. But come to find out she was glad I was really, really strict on her. Because she said, "Dad, if you hadn't have been strict, no telling where I would have ended up." Hallelujah. She just had this one little deal one time. She wanted to stay out past her curfew. She was in high school and she was part of the training crew for the athletics, you know. And so she had to go to all the ball games and was there with all the bandages and all that stuff, you know. And and uh, they always go if it was a, a away game, they always stopped and got something to eat and. And sometimes it could be a little later, and I had to pick her up, you know. She wasn't driving. And uh, one day she said, Dad, now, it may be a little bit late when we get back tonight. I said, well, what's a little bit? She said, well, it, her curfew was midnight on those kind of days, you know, when they had to go out of town. I said, uh, uh, she said, well, it may be around 3 o'clock, 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, no, there ain't no way. She said, well, Dad. I said, No. Then she come back and she said, well, what if we, what about two o'clock? I said, no. Well, how about one thirty? I said, no. How about one o'clock? Well, dad, what if it's just a little bit after midnight? I said, no. I said, if it's going to be after midnight, you just won't go. Boy, she stormed off upstairs, and she had a little friend with her, and she went to her bedroom. She slammed that door, and she said, my daddy don't love me. And that little girl, I heard her talking to my daughter. And she said, Stacy, she said, your daddy does love you. She said, he cares. My parents don't care what time I come in. Stacy, I'd trade time to trade places with you. To have parents that love me. Amen. I want to tell you something. God's got some rules for us. I said God's got some rules for us. He said if you don't forgive. <laughs> then you won't be forgiven. Amen. If you don't do these things, then you're not going to have the blessings of God in your life. So we have to be willing to do what God says. Amen. Now, Isaiah 53, 4, we're talking about grief. But then there's also, uh, we're talking about uh, uh, the emotions and, and how he restores our soul with guilt. But then there's the grief. Grief. How many's ever had grief? Grief will destroy you. Grief will eventually destroy your emotions and destroy you mentally, destroy you physically. Grief is that kind of thing. And, uh, but God said He bore our grief. Isaiah 53-4. So surely he's borne our griefs, and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he has borne our griefs. Everybody say, he's borne our grief. Grief, it'll destroy. I think I've told this story here before, but I was in a a Bible study where I was ministering in, in, uh, it was right out of Fort Worth. And I was ministering one night in a in a Bible study there. We had about 15, 20 people in that house. And we were ministering and not just ministering the word, teaching and exhorting the people. And, and there was a lady that was, that was there. And God directed me to her. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I said, your husband died six years ago. And I said, you're filled with grief and grief is destroying you. And she looked at me and she said, yes, he did. Six years ago. And I said, yes, ma'am. And I said, you know what? You held this in for six years. I said, because, and I'm just going to tell you something, what the Holy Spirit showed me. And I said, you had the funeral and you were there at the funeral. And you never, ever expressed any grief. You never grieved. You never grieved. See, some people act like it's a sin if you cry. Some people act like you're just you're just not strong in your relationship with the Lord if you weep. Listen, my first wife passed away. I wept, even though I knew she was in the presence of the Lord. I was there when she slipped into the presence of God. I was there just before she left, and she was peaceful. She didn't. She wasn't groaning and, and all of the groaning within her spirit is with pain and all of the stuff that goes with with getting ready to pass away. She didn't have that. And she was just peaceful. She had already told me about a month or so before. She said, I'm going home. I don't know when it will be, but I'm going home. She was happy. And then she said, you're going to get married again. I said, I'm not going to talk about that right now. She said, oh, no, no, it's okay. I'm going to be with Jesus. It's going to be fine. She said, God's going to give you a woman that's going to enhance the ministry as much or more than I ever did. I said, well, praise God. Okay, but I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> but when it came time for her to go, she was, she was not in pain. She, would, she never had to have pain medicine. She never wanted no pain medicine. And she didn't take the pain medicine. And she was peaceful. And she was laying there, and I, I, I don't know, just something rose up in me, and I said, Carol Dalrymple, I said, I love you with all my heart. And I said, I want to give you a kiss. Can I do that? She said, uh-huh. <laughs> she didn't open her eyes, uh-huh. So I gave her a kiss, and she responded with a kiss. I just got up from the side of the bed and just turned around for five seconds. And the presence of God just ushered into that room. And I looked at her, and her face had the biggest smile. Her eyes were shut, the biggest smile, because the Lord had already come for her. Hallelujah. And the presence of God was so strong. I, I, I wanted to raise her from the dead, you know. But I remembered what she told me, cause Smith Wigglesworth, remember Smith Wigglesworth? His wife died and he raised her from the dead and she come back from the dead. He said, Smith, next time don't you ever raise me up when I'm in the presence of God like that. She said, you just leave me alone. So the second time when she died, he left her alone. <laughs> but I was, I, I, I wanted to raise her from the dead, but I could look up in the corner and I could see her with her little finger, Clarence Richard. Don't you dare, <laughs> because we had already made a, a covenant <laughs> that I wouldn't do that. Amen. And listen, when people go in the presence of the Lord, that's, that's the grandest entry that you could ever make anywhere when, you, when they go into the presence of God. Amen. Thank God. Now, he's borne our griefs. I told this lady, I said, you haven't grieved, and you need to grieve. I said, the grieving is a healing and you need to grieve. You need God to, to touch you right now. And I said, you I said, you didn't grieve at the funeral. No. I said, six years ago. She said, no. And I prayed for her. And the Spirit of the Lord just knocked her flat on her back. And when she went down, she began to groan and travail as people would do at a funeral in grieving. She had never went through that. And she began to groan and travail in grief in the grieving. Listen, grieving is part of it. Grieving is part of your healing. Amen. There's nothing wrong with grieving. Amen. I know for weeks I, I would go somewhere and just weep. The one time I got mad at God, I did. Nine months went by, and I was still mad at God. And I went out to the gravesite. And I just looked up to God. I said, God, why? Why? She said that you have the expiration date. And I believe that. God has the expiration date. And I said, God, why? Why? And she said, you told her she was going home. He said, I did. (laughs) He said, I told the Apostle Paul he was going home, too, when it came time for him to go. See, Paul had his head chopped off, but I believe when it came time, he just laid down his head. Because, you see, God had already given him the grace to be able to do that. I believe God can put it in our spirit. God Only God has expiration day, but you can do that. But you know what? When God finally showed me that, and I got it in my heart... I just, after all my screaming and hollering at God, you know, that day and everything, I just fell, collapsed at the tree there, and I just kind of sat there. But I got up from there praising God and the Holy Ghost and praising in tongues and, and just worshiping the Lord. And, you know, ever since then, I didn't have no grief. Praise God. God bore my grief. God will bear your grief. Our griefs. Our sorrows. God will bear our grief. Praise the Lord. Now, so we, we've got to deal with grief and grudges and let God relieve us of our grief. David had to deal with grief when his baby died, after Bathsheba had the baby. And the baby died. David had to deal with grief, but the Lord ministered to him in his grief. David had to learn what it was to be able to accept What God's done. We listen. He accepted what he could not change. We're not God. Amen. Thank God. (laughs) I'm glad that I'm glad some people's not in charge of my life. Because there's God, they might get rid of me. But he focused on what was left and what was not what was lost. My my cousin sent me a, a note, uh, precious lady. Her husband already went on to be with the Lord, and I, I they were a little older than I was, and we used to travel around together when I was a teenager, and I'd go with them preaching, and they'd go with me, and and I preached for them. They they pastored twenty five years over in Eufala, Texas, and I I, pre, I preach for them every year. For 25 years, I preached for them. and uh, But when he went on to be with the Lord. But, you know, and, and bless her heart, she just loves God. She's just going on with the Lord, strong in the Lord. But when my wife passed away, she sent me a little note, a card. And she said, we've got to learn how to let go. Let go. And don't focus on what we've lost. But let's look ahead and focus on what's ahead. And you know what? That encouraged me because I knew she had already been through it. And we've, we've got to learn how to deal with grief. Listen, he accepted what he couldn't change. David did. He focused on what was left and what was, uh, and, and not what was lost. So we just need to let God do it. But you know what he did? He turned to God. He turned to God after all of this. Psalms 51, 11 and 12. Don't cast me away from your presence. This is what David said to the Lord. Don't cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restoration is still part of what God wants to do. He wants us to be able to get rid of our guilt, get rid of our grief, and finally, we got to get rid of our grudges. (laughs) You thought I was going to forget that one, didn't you? Grudges will kill you. Grudges come when we hold on to hurts that other people's caused us. Hallelujah. We get mad at them. And we won't let that anger go. We just listen. I I had a man he did me enormously wrong. And I'm I'm not standing here saying I had every right in the world, but I'm saying he did me wrong. He lied. He cheated. He stole. Tried to put me down and destroy me personally. I want to tell you something. I At first I kind of just rolled over and said, okay, Lord, bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him. Then I said, Lord, get him, get him, get him, get him. I mean, you know, I would, I'd go to bed at night, and he had a church, and I saw myself going in the back of that church and sitting down there, and then I'd go up on the platform and just get him, and then just, and I'd start telling the people, this is the man you got up here. Now, y'all don't look at me so innocent. Amen. And I thought I'd pray, and I'd get and pray in the Holy Ghost, and I'd get rid of all that old mean feeling out of me. I thought. Until I saw him driving down on the other side of the freeway one day, and I was on this side of the freeway, and I wanted to ram his car, but I couldn't because there was a barrier there. Now, y'all, y'all didn't know you had such a terrible person up here, did you? Hey, we can't preach except we've experienced it. Amen? I prayed again, oh God, help me, help me, help me, help me. And I was trying to get up courage, and God told me, he said, you go by his church. I said, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, that'd get out of here, devil. uh So I went to the post office. And I was coming out of that, my post office box was in there, and I was coming out of it. And, and here he come in, the front door and there's no way we was going to run it we were going to run into each other there's just no way we could do it and so i just started walking like looking down like i didn't see him and he was looking down like he didn't see me and then we stood in front of each other and all of a sudden the holy ghost hit both of us we started weeping we started hugging and we started hanging on to each other right there in the post office Bawling and squalling and praying for one another, oh yeah, and I'm' sure everybody said and those two preachers that have a little all against one another, yeah, we used to, but we love each other, and we we went and had coffee for six hours that day. <laughs> I think they got tired of us they they finally we got a fresh cup of coffee just about all the time though. But we sat there and God restored. God restored the fellowship. God restored everything. See, I was wrong, he was wrong. But we don't want to ever say, Well, it wasn't me, if it you know so and so that did it to me, you know. No, 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 no. If you're getting vengeance in your heart, guess what? You gotta help let God come and help you with your grudges. Hallelujah. If you develop a grudge and won't let it go, it's going to destroy you. Praise the Lord. Now, I know this ain't a shouting message, but it's a good one. I feel guilt when I've hurt people. Do you feel guilty when you hurt people? I've hurt people innocently, didn't even realize I had hurt them, said something maybe. that it, It hurts me deeply to even think that I've hurt anybody. And I feel grief when I have a loss. i just say it isn't fair. (laughs) But you're going to get bumped. You're going to get bruised. You're going to get scratched. You're going to get scraped. And you're going to get dinged up in this world. And how you handle it will either make you bitter or better. Amen? And the difference between the two is I. Bitter has the I in it. I. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I don't like what they said about me. I don't. But you know what? If you'll turn it over and let God bring the love in, and you'll be better. Hallelujah. And God wants us to be better. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, do you love the Lord? Mm Mm-hmm. Don't, uh, in Romans twelve nineteen. I want to read that out of another translation here, but, uh, dearly beloved, uh, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place, uh, under, don't, and neither give place under wrath, for it's written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, and I will pray. Uh, I like what this, Other translation says, Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. God says, I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Vengeance is the Lord. If a person does not forgive, it's not your job to bring the vengeance. God will bring the vengeance. I said, God will bring the vengeance. I told a story about a man that... Swindled us out of ten thousand dollars cash when we were building our church, and and he come and had to have a ten thousand dollar cashier's check, you know, and all this. I said, mm, okay. I felt funny, you know. I just felt funny in my spirit, and I shouldn't have done it anyway, but I did because he'd come highly recommended by another well-known preacher, and I said, okay. And and then I got home, and this preacher calls me, and he said, Brother Clarence. He he said, uh I, I don't I, I I want to tell you this. God told me to do it the other day, but I need to tell you now, don't do business with him. He's a crook. I said, Thanks. I just gave him a ten thousand dollar cashier's check. He said, Well you go get it right now. So I got in my car and I had to go about twenty minutes away from where I lived, down to the airport area, you know, and, and that's where his office was, and I walked in and and uh I told him. I said, uh, you know, I said, we can't do business with you. I said, so I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, this, I had just given the check that day. And I said, well, we're going to just back off of this thing. And I said, if you could just give me the money back. And he said, well, I've already put it in the bank. I said, you did? He said, yeah. And he said, I've already spent most of it. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, half of it left? He said, yeah. I said, well, write me a check for 5000 So he wrote me a check for 5000 He didn't know I was going to go down to the bank and hammer it. You all know what hammering it is? That's when you go to the bank and you say, I want my money right now for this check. And I went in there, and they come back, and they said, uh, uh, Reverend Dalrymple, we can't give you the money. I said, what do you mean? I just gave him a cashier's check today, and he deposited. He said, well, it's not there. He, he's overdrawn right now. I said, all right, give me that check. Boy, I rushed back to his office. He was getting in his car just to get ready to back out, and I pulled up behind him. I'm going to tell you something. I'm a sneaker. I'm a, I'm a stinker sometimes. I pulled up behind him, and I wouldn't let him out. And I got out, and I said, listen. I handed him that check. I said, you knew you didn't have the money when you gave me this check. He said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, no, 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 no. I said, sorry, I ain't going to do it. I said, you are wrong. I said, you're trying to not to swindle me. This is God's money for the church, for the building. Anyway, I didn't get it that day. And then I tried to call him back. Uh, he was supposed to get back to me, and I tried to call him back, and his phone was disconnected and couldn't find him. Y'all ever had problems like that? And, you know, you couldn't find the person and then come to find out his wife left him and children left him. And, and I said, boy, I really feel bad about this now. I said, this guy's going through some real problems. And, and uh, then, then I realized, I said, well, anyway, I couldn't, I, I couldn't get his number. But then I found it. <laughs> and boy, I felt good. I found him. He answered the phone. I said, hello, this is Brother Clarence. Oh, oh, Brother Clarence, Brother Clarence. Oh, man, I, I, I he said, I, I'm, I'm going to get this to you as soon as I can. I said, well, I just want to let you know. I just found you. <laughs> Two weeks later, he was gone from that one. He moved out of state. I found out where he was. But this time, the Lord said, don't you call him. He's my child. I'll take care of him. You take care of you. Oh, boy. Listen, how many knows that that's a hard thing to do? Am I talking to human beings here? That's hard. And I said, okay. So I found out where he was in Seattle, Washington. And God said, you don't take care of him. He's my child. I'll take care of him. All I ask you to do is forgive him. And he said, forgive the debt. Woo! Now, I had to go to my men. I had to go to my board, you know, and tell them. And I said, look. I said, the guy don't have the money. I said, he's up in Seattle. And I said, but I know his number. And I said, God said, release it. Forgive. Hallelujah. And you know what? Every one of them was in favor. Forgive him. You know why? Because God had already bought the money in. He had already given it to, to us Another way, and it had come in. We paid cash for a building in a year and a half, $550,000. Cash came in, and we paid for it, cash, and it was paid for, it and everything done when we moved into it. Hallelujah. It wouldn't have happened had we not forgiven. Amen? But I called him in Seattle, and he answered the phone, and I said, please don't hang up. This is Brother Clarence, but don't hang up. I got something to tell you real quick. I said, just, I said, we love you. And I said, listen, God forgives you. I forgive you. Our church forgives you. And you don't owe us anything. Oh, Brother Clarence, I'll pay you. I, I said, no. I said, no. I said, if I see you walk down the street, don't you come across the street and try to give me any money. I'm not going to take it because God said, forgive it. How how many's ever had to do something like this? Somebody says, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, maybe God needs to get a hold of you. How many knows God's bigger than any amount of money? God's bigger than anything, and God will do it ten times, twenty times more than what we could have if we just had that. I'm saying, now listen, I think we need to use wisdom. We need to use wisdom. I think we need to use wisdom. And maybe I wasn't, in, maybe I wasn't sensitive enough to know to God not to do that, that. I did feel something in my heart, you know. But I thought, well, this other preacher, he's he's recommended him, you know. I, I just said. You know, you kind of push that side of stuff aside a little bit. But you know what? God forgave him. He was blessed. He even came back and blessed us at the church later. Not us telling him to, but he did it on his own because he was blessed and God gave him. Listen, God can forgive and God can restore. Hallelujah. And if you can't forgive and restore, guess what? The Bible said God doesn't forgive you. So we have to forgive, and we have to let go. forgive our Give us our forgive us our debts, Lord, as we forgive our debtors. Hallelujah! Ooh, we don't like to read these scriptures, do we? But the Lord is my shepherd. We don't need a self help book with our guilt, our grief, our grudges. All we need is the Bible. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. Hallelujah. He restores our soul. This morning, let him restore our soul. Amen. Let him bring his peace, his joy, his love, his abundance, his blessings. It's our, it's our, it's up to us now. Amen. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Father, we thank you. We just praise you this morning, Father, that your word's truth. God, that we have what your word declares. And Lord, we just thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sins. And we just give you praise in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Every head bowed for just a moment. We just want to give you an opportunity this morning to just... Let God minister to you in a special way. Nobody's looking. Have you ever noticed uh, when you point your index finger at somebody, wagging it at them, you got three fingers pointing back at you? <laughs> I want us this morning, if, if guilt has kept you in bondage, if guilt's kept you in bondage, grudges have kept you in bondage. If, and grief has kept you in bondage. This morning, God wants you to just let it go. Let it go. Let it go because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you're here this morning, just, nobody's looking, just slip up your hand and just put it right back down. Amen. Just say, Lord, I, I need, I need help with my grudges. I need help with my guilt. I need help with my grief. Anybody? Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Well, it's all Let's sing it to the Lord. The blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. He washes white as snow. One more time. Yes, it's oh. The blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. He washes white as snow. Take someone's hand next to you. And agree with them right now that God's peace, God's love, God's power, the joy of the Lord will just flow through them in the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank You for Your joy. We thank You for Your peace. We thank You, Lord, that we have what the Word declares. We have victory. We have healing. Healing emotionally. Healing physically. Healing financially. Father, we just thank You. For your healing power today. And we just give you glory for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, let's stand to our feet this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Remember, tonight at 6, bring your singing voice. Bring your clapping hands. Stomping feet. And let's just worship Him tonight in song. Amen. So it's at 6 o'clock. God bless you. We'll see you then. Let's bring somebody with you. Hallelujah.